What is up, world? I am pumped, pumped for the podcast today because I have a treat for you. Like, imagine the fattest fudge Sunday ever. I have that, but like in a podcast form for you because today's show is all about facing challenges and overcoming them as a female in a male-dominated industry, but also applicable to you as a minority in whatever you're doing in life. I've got my best friend, back, uh, Jackie Barnum, on the show. Jackie and I met at the Naval Academy. We were roommates all four years. We've been best friends for 10 years. She graduated as a Marine Corps officer. I graduated as a Naval officer. And even like trying to say her bio is difficult because it doesn't even encompass everything she is as a person. I, I know her like the back of my hand, so I'm a little biased. However, she just has this ability to balance her professionalism. She is one of the most motivated, driven. I mean, the discipline that she has in her soul is just admirable, but also one of the funniest, goofiest, you know, cheerful people. And somehow she has always been able to separate the two when necessary and balance it also when needed in life. And I didn't even realize early on how much I could appreciate that and how she was affecting me in my early stages as I developed as a leader and in my career. Now, you know, here we are 10 years later. She was immediately stationed out in Japan when we graduated. I was sent to San Diego. We've been bouncing around the world ever since. But, you know, we've always been the people who talk to each other about these challenges. You know, we're so similar in our mindsets and our goals and the way that we go about life. And we've also had similar experiences as women in the military. So in the podcast today, this isn't a negative podcast. We're not here to talk down about the way we've been treated or, you know, the frustrations we're having. We're here to say, you, you are facing challenges and we all will. We will in every aspect of life. However, there is an opportunity to grow from them. There really is. And when we reflect on these challenges that we've faced as a minority in the male-dominated community of the Marine Corps and the Navy, wow, I appreciate everything we've gone through because it has made us who we are today. And without those experiences, we wouldn't be the women we are today. So I'm going to stop saying any more words because just sit back and take in this podcast. Grab a notepad, grab a sticky note. Everything Jackie says is like quotable on Pinterest. She just lays down so much knowledge and I'm I'm so blessed to have her as a best friend, a sister, a mentor, um, but someone I continually can look up to because she just intrinsically knows what to say and how to handle things and I admire her so much. So it's worth listening to. This show really touches my heart in a special place, and I can't wait for you to listen. Everybody, welcome to the show. This is Misunderstood with Kelly Hall, and I have a special guest by popular demand, my other half. Jacqueline Barnum, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is like no different than, you know, this is what we've been would be doing on a typical Sunday afternoon, just 
talking anyway. So this is perfect. And honestly, it's not even that much of a stretch because last time we had brunch, which is super sad to me now because it was like in January before the quarantine. I know. Um, when was that? I don't remember. A long time ago. <laughs> but we had brunch in Dana Point and we were like having this big women empowerment moment. And do you remember that? We were like all fired up about like women in the military and talking yep. about our roles. And then we had like yep. settled down. We're like, like, okay, a... no more coffee for us. Cause I'm getting too fiery. We always get fired up. I know. It's probably why we're perfect for each other. Cause anytime <laughs> I'm feeling like low, you're like, no, you can do it. I'm like, wow, I can. I believe in myself because of you. You're the best. Um, <laughs> So a little background on Jackie. If you know anything about me, you know she's my best friend. I'm not quiet about it whatsoever. And I feel like at this point, best friend is like such a lame term to use because we're not like just that for like family at this point. Um, But we have known each other for 10 years. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. We have been through it all. Literally all of it, which, I mean, mind-blowing. Okay, I have to share how I met Jackie because I have this – I feel like you don't even remember meeting me because you were so stressed out on iDay. I don't remember anything. I I don't remember anything about that day, Kelly. All I know is I had my little haircut and – I, I slept at the position of attention with my, (laughs) it was like, I don't remember anything, but please, please share how we met. So I remember there's like very few things. So for those of you who don't know, I day is induction day, which is your very first day at the Naval Academy. Jackie and I were both 17 because our birth, the way our birthdays fell, we joined the Navy or I guess technically the Navy. Now you're in the Marine Corps, but Join the Navy at 17, and then you go into, like, seven weeks of boot camp or plebe summer. So not your typical way to start college. And on the very first day, you get, like, screamed at, and the guys get their heads shaved, and all the women get their hair cut to their shoulders, and you get all of your supplies. So you're carrying, like, this giant bag of crap, <laughs> huge, like, massive I can't even explain you could have fit in oh it's as big as you you could have fit in that bag I remember actually sitting like walking but my back was completely parallel with the deck because I was hunched over so much because I'm trying to carry that bag like six flights of stairs yeah how did we do that I adrenaline (laughs) I guess I don't even (laughs) (laughs) know and like they don't do any favors if you're, like, a small woman, let me tell nope. you, because... I'm stressed out thinking about this story. <laughs> Can we, like, skip through this? It's stressing me out. I'm starting to sweat again. <laughs> so, anyways, I'll fast forward to the one thing I do remember, which, weirdly enough, right before I walked in to, I, like, pivoted and walked up to my door... And we had a four-man room with, obviously, four roommates. And I saw that – I looked up. And I saw the names. And your name was the very first one I saw. And I remember just thinking, I feel like these are the people that are going to be in my life forever. Like, I hadn't even met you guys yet. And then, like, I entered the room. And the very first person I met on iDay was Jacqueline Barnum. She's like – on my right and I'm like hi I'm Kelly and you're buried in your bag of crap trying to like unpack it and you just like 
pop up and you go, hi, I'm Jackie. <laughs> oh my gosh. Was I like, like your? Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say you sounded like your. Um, but then the rest was history. We're like best friend. Literally, we just hit it off. And then we were roommates ever since. We were roommates all four years, which we didn't even know was rare until we got ready to graduate. And people were like, oh, it's Jackie and Kelly. We're like, yeah, like we've been together all four years. And people were like, what? And you didn't kill each other? No, we didn't. Ever. I know. Yeah. They, Our names always went together. Jackie they really and Kelly. Did. Jackie and Kelly, and they still do. And the ups and downs have happened since, but here oh, we yeah. are. So you graduated and became a Marine Corps officer. And a lot of people don't get so Jack kind of explained like how that came to fruition because people don't understand that you can even graduate and become a Marine officer from the Naval Academy. Yeah. So out of the Academy about, you know, our graduating class had like 1200 or so in it. Um, and out of that number around 300 get selected to go Marine Corps. Um, so I just always had my sights set on that goal. And I want to be a Marine Corps ground officer. I didn't know what job I really wanted. I just knew that I wanted to be a Marine. I was always attracted to the challenge um, and working really hard to achieve that. Um, so yeah, out of the academy, I chose Marine Corps ground. I got selected um, and then went to TBS, the basic school in Quantico, Virginia, which is like the basic school for Marine Corps officers. Um, that all officers have to go through. And then there is where I got uh, picked to be a logistics officer, which is what I do currently. And I've been doing that for six years in the Marine Corps. So I'm currently a captain in the in the Marine Corps. Um, and yeah, I'm stationed in San Diego, California. It's absolutely gorgeous here. Um, yeah. And please explain, if you had not gone to Naval Academy, what were you planning to do? <laughs> so I actually had applied to the Naval Academy and art schools. So if completely I was different, completely opposite. So I have, you know, I'm left-handed. I've always been interested in painting and I specifically for college was looking at graphic design programs. Um, so I just always knew I wanted to do, you know, use my creativity somehow. And I like computers and stuff. So it was literally the military or art school. So complete polar opposites. Um, and I, I mean, I got selected for the Naval Academy and I literally heard a message from God saying, if you don't go to the Naval Academy, you're making a wrong decision. And I listened to that and I never <laughs> looked back. And here we are. It's so I had the same message. He probably, it probably happened on the same day. He like sent your mind a quick email and like sit my mind and was like, you guys will end up together. Yes. And then here we are now. It was fate. And I think also one reason why we connected, I mean, obviously we have very similar personalities, but through Pleep Summer, you know, you know, we're, we're going to get into the weeds a little bit on the challenges of being females, but like, there's just obviously the stigma that you like as a female, you're not going to be able to keep up with everyone or like you won't be as like quick or as smart or as motivated and you and I were always on top of things we were like the first people out during uniform races every single time we were so damn quick <laughs> like we were always you know like physically fit and did not want that attached 
to our names whatsoever. And I loved that about you because I was the exact same way. Like I was super motivated and kind of like wanted to prove that I deserved to be there as well. So having that partnership throughout our entire time at the Naval Academy, it was super, super important. Yeah. I think because both you and I, we would not let anyone, we would not give anyone like a reason to doubt us or to question us being there. Like, yeah, we could not because everything that we did was watched So and picked apart so much more than anybody else. People expect us to fail almost like I hate to say that, but they do expect you to be emotional, to be Mm -hmm. weak, to give up. And like we would not in every single aspect of the Naval Academy, we would not give anyone that satisfaction to think that we didn't belong where we were. 100%. And we also were really good at, I think, like flipping a switch. And we, I, I think we still do this as officers, but, you know, in our room, even as plebes, we like would sing show tunes and share a love for Disney and, you know, whatever reality TV we were watching before the Naval Academy. And could be girls, since that's what we were at the time, we we're 17, like we were just girls. But then when it was time to put on the uniform, go outside, train, we were like, gung-ho you know we were loud and we yelled and like we just had that balance and we were I think better for it because like we needed early on not to be like "Ooh, hi guys I'm new to the Naval Academy let let me sing show tunes like we turned it off like when it was appropriate and we got better and better at that over time and the first two years we can't fun fact at the Naval Academy you can't wear civilian clothes so we also were both girly and do you remember this plebe year I think we went to Macy's and we tried on ball gowns in like in the dressing room or something and like put our uniforms back on do you remember that (laughs) no I I'm trying to but I do not remember this again I have blocked most of out of my memory so <laughs> I'm sending you a photo because I know I like remember it exactly you had a navy blue like ball gown on and we went it was like a random Saturday because we only had so random from like noon to midnight every Saturday and we were in uniform and there was no way to like look cute in our baggy clothes so we went to a department store I, it might have been Nordstrom I don't remember but we tried on ball gowns to like feel cute and cool but anyways so our first two years we didn't wear civilian clothes and you know, I I really feel as though we earned our respect quickly because we were like so motivated. And I think our detailers and like our first C's, we had a great relationship with them and like they really respected us too and kind of saw how hardworking we were right off the bat. So we were really being judged on our performance, like not our looks, not what we were wearing. We were all wearing the same exact thing. We we're all wearing uniform, but like they saw what we were capable of, which I'm kind of happy that was the case because had we been wearing like civilian clothes or being judged by our appearance at first, maybe we wouldn't have had the confidence like we did later on. But please explain what I'm getting to because the time second class year or junior year came around we started wearing civilian clothes and we noticed yep. a little bit of a difference in the way 
maybe we were perceived or like our actions were perceived. It was very different. Yeah, it was a complete like 180. I think because the first two years, like we were saying, you know, you're strictly judged on your physical fitness. Can you keep up or not? Okay, you and I, yes, we can. You know, are they competent? Can you memorize your reef points? Can you recite the menus for the day? Can you, you know, know your rates? Yes or no? Okay, yes, we can. Um, Can you make your bed and keep your room alpha inspection ready? Yes or no? Okay, yes. So we was a it was a complete like you know level playing field for everyone to get judged on those things because your appearance really wasn't factored in because we all looked exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And then like what you're saying, you know, our second class year when we were able to dress like you know show our personality through wearing makeup, through wearing clothes out in town, all of a sudden we became these you know vain which is a word that you know we were talking about is a word like that is used in the um class feedback yeah Yeah, when you when you rank each other there's a drop down list of adjectives that you can assign to someone and people started literally assigning that word to us even though nothing else had changed in our performance or nothing else but just because we could all of a sudden have our personality through our appearance oh, all of a sudden we became these, you know, vain. All we cared about was our looks, which is nothing else changed. It was no. like the craziest thing. And I, it's almost like the craziest <laughs> social experiment that ever happened that people yes. don't even, and this is what is being misunderstood. Like the idea of judging people by their appearance or sexism, like, they think people just think that this is like what is written about in news articles, but doesn't happen every day. And we, you and I were consistently top performers the first two years. We were always, so at the Naval Academy, you get ranked by your peers and then also by your upperclassmen and it all gets factored in. It's this whole long process, but it gets eventually factored into like your class standing of how you're performing. Um, it's part, part of that moral, mental, physical aspect of the Naval Academy. So this lies into that moral aspect. So your first two years, um, I think, I mean, we, we uh, obviously were very open with each other. We were like top five, top 10 in our company. And then we would get words like hard charging, motivated, disciplined, leader, innovative, like all of these awesome words. And that was kind of like your gut check every semester. Like, okay, okay. Like I'm doing something right. Cool. You know, it's all anonymous. So like, great. You know, by your junior year, literally nothing had changed. If anything, you and I were becoming better leaders and we were becoming smarter and more innovative. And I think a little bit more outspoken and confident in ourselves. But now we were able to wear civilian clothes And so on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you and I would like look like normal women again. You know, we would wear our hair down and wear our makeup and wear our heels and go out. And then like a switch, our class ranking in the company started dropping. And then the comments that we get back, like Jackie said, were like vain or um, I forget the word. It was like not selfish, but like into yourself into yourself I can't remember what it was 
but it was just so different. And Mm -hmm. I think you and I early on, obviously having these open discussions started seeing, all right, we just need to be confident in our capabilities because I can't believe this, like, what if, like, and that's not just a couple people. We're talking about multiple, multiple, multiple people had said this. I think we, by the time we graduated, we had like 26 comments that said vain. This At least was like I literally did. <laughs> like cyberbullying before cyberbullying was a thing. Like all these yeah. anonymous, I can't even, like thinking back on that system, like I can't even believe people could have just said those things about, it was like so anonymously, you know, like. It's, yeah. It is cowardly, but. I think that it was a good challenge for us to face early on because, again, as a female in the military, you're already going to be challenged because you are part of that, I mean, minimum group. Like, you're a small group in this big, large organization full of men, and you're being told, like, don't stand out, don't wear makeup, don't do anything that's, you know, super different than everybody else. Like, you don't want to stand out, but you and I had decided even by our junior year that there wasn't anything wrong with being feminine and like there was nothing wrong with wearing cute clothes on the weekend. Right. And I'm kind of happy we went through that. And honestly, like looking back now about the people who do choose to not care about what they look like, that does not guarantee that you're going to be, looked at any better right because on the opposite side if you don't care about what you look like and don't put any effort in then there are just as negative things to be said about you for that so really I mean it's a catch-22 for us really but you know for us looking nice that gave us confidence to Mm -hmm. you know be to stand out and that mm-hmm. helped with, you know, that helped with us and our own performance. Like if we didn't right. care and we, you know, we hid who we were, we would be miserable and our performance mm-hmm. would reflect that as well. Yeah, so true. And, you know, fast forward now that, I mean, that was at the Naval Academy. That was kind of like our first taste of it. <laughs> um, and we were so perplexed by the whole thing. So we're like, what the heck? We haven't changed at all, except like our appearance maybe on the weekends, but you know, now fast forward to graduating, becoming commissioned officers, being, you know, in the fleet. Again, you're immediately introduced to the fact that you're a minority because, I mean, sometimes you're what, like the only, you're one out of 40 guys in these yep. meetings. Like, I mean, so give me a little bit of insight on what that's like for you because I know – geez, I've had my own experiences, but how you handle that and like how you felt empowered to handle the situations when you are the minority in those meetings. So I think, you know, the other day I was in a meeting where I went around and I counted, there were 40, about 40 people in the meeting and I was the only female. Um, And I feel like our first response when we're in a meeting, just so overwhelmingly filled with males, you're, you just kind of think like, Oh, they all like, they're the important ones. I'll just sit in the back. I'm not going to have anything to add to this. Like our just self doubt just kind of immediately kicks in. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so I had to consciously tell myself like Jackie you how you're here in this meeting for a reason like they asked you to come to this meeting so your input is valuable so you need to sit at the table you need to voice your opinion um, because the question that you ask or the point that you make may be a question that no one has thought about and can completely alter the course of this the conversation and the decisions that are made in this setting um but i think you know it takes courage to actually voice your opinion and because it's it's easy and safe to sit there in the corner and not say anything it's mm-hmm. hard to say what's on your mind and question people a lot of the time that are of a higher rank than you as well so we also have that against us a lot of the times you know we're the youngest ones in the room um just as officers and in these higher ranking meetings um so i think just really and it's a habit it's it's something that you need to practice and you know just that's why i always bring a notebook everywhere with me and when i have a question i'll write it out beforehand or i'll take some notes so i know what i'm gonna say again not giving people any doubt in their minds of what what is captain barnum doing here like what is what is she talking about no like i have my point made i have it you know i'm gonna eloquently bring it up um you know just little things like that and it takes practice and it takes a lot of courage to do that um i think if you weren't like the only female in that meeting you know even i mean we're both 27 now which is crazy what we've experienced already and we're super young but I mean, you're never going to forget that for the rest of your life. And it's challenging you to respect the qualities that you do have and own them and remember what you have to bring to the table. And I think if you were in an easy situation or maybe even a female-dominated situation, you might never have learned to challenge yourself like that and, like, speak up and find your seat at the table. And yep. that's super cool to have learned at a really young age because of the positions that we decided to take on. Yeah. And another thing that we so easily do is, you know, when we're, when we do get up the courage to speak, we almost tell ourselves that we shouldn't be. So even when we do get the courage and we're about to talk, we start with, I'm sorry. And then we say what we have to say. Oh, like, no, yes. sorry. It's like, why do we apologize? What, like, no, when we, as soon as we apologize, we've given the power away to like yeah. we that is our voice, our opinion. There's no sorries, you know, and as soon as we we say I'm sorry and then we say whatever, like we enable that behavior of that like oh, we're just subserving it. No, like we are just as important and we're equally as valuable as every other person in that room. So no sorries. So true. Yes, and I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I just said it. I just said I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you but serious right best... now? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> that was a palm in the forehead moment. But um, anyways, as Chandler Bing would say, um, <laughs> I was going to apologize to the men I'm about to offend because Maybe you are all not like this, but I feel as though guys never say I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's not never. vocabulary, no. Even they when they actually taught. need to be sorry, they don't <laughs> say I'm sorry. Um, and you're like, you literally just pummeled me with a buggy in the middle of the grocery store. They're like, well, you should have moved. You're like, you're really not sorry right now? It's crazy. Um, no, but in a professional setting, they aren't. 
you know, if they're like a little off track, they'd be like, hey, like I have a question about this. And it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, or if they want something done a certain way, they're like, hey, fix this. You know, the, you know, the subordinates are like, okay, that's fine. But we, I was like, oh, um, just to reiterate, did you mean um, this? I'm like, oh, no, like say it with gusto. Don't be <laughs> questionable. Yeah. I hate that. I know, but it takes practice. And I remember being on the ship and I did a navigation brief and this is one other, I mean, there's multiple things that came from the Naval Academy that were beneficial, but we had to do so many practice briefs. And I remember being in navigation and not knowing what anything meant, but I had to like give a brief to my navigation instructor. So I was like, yeah, like there's this red buoy and we're going to go around it and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And this is what this landmark means. And he was like, you got all of that wrong, but you said it so confidently. So I didn't stop you. And I was like, thank you. Um, and the same quality, I was on the ship and I had to do a navigation brief, ironically. And this time at least I had slides. So I just like spoke through it really confidently and semi quickly. And so my XO was like, you know what? I don't have any questions for you. And then when I got done, uh, Lieutenant, she was, you know, six years my senior. She was like, I'm envious of the fact that you can speak so confidently. I was like, gotta leave no room for error over here. I don't want to be that person because I'm already freaking five, two and a female. And I look like I'm seven. Like, I don't want to leave any room for error. No, exactly. <laughs> and as soon as as soon as you start sounding like you don't believe yourself or you're unsure of the words you're saying and you don't believe them, that's when the wolves come out and people attack mm-hmm. you. You know, you again, we can't give anyone reason to doubt us. So when you even if, you know, sometimes you gotta fake it till you make it, but at least True. You know, you got to be confident in what you're saying and you have to get the buy-in from the people that you're telling it to. If you don't believe it yourself, then no one is going to believe it and it's going to get completely scrutinized. Absolutely. And, you know, this isn't to, like, discourage people from, you know, being in the military, serving the military. I know, I we're, just... gonna, we're kind of, like, negative, I feel. I know, but, um, <laughs> Not all bad. I think... The reason why I find it so rewarding is because I know we are better from it. Oh, like for if sure. we, I mean, go back to like how I met you and your little, your, your little voice, like, hi, you know, <laughs> think about how like outspoken you are now. And the same thing with me, I feel like I always had the ability to be really confident and like, I wanted to be a leader, but I didn't know how to exercise it yet. It's, you know, now we've had 10 years of dealing with these experiences. So obviously, we're a little bit sharper and more conscious and aware. But I mean, I would never not have taken the path that we've chosen, because we are seriously so much better from it. And I'm so, so grateful. Yeah, for sure. I think a big thing that I realized over the years is that people uh they there are some good ones of course like there are ones that believe in you and mm-hmm. think that you're going to succeed and want you to succeed but the few who don't want you to succeed there's a lot more good ones than not good ones um and right. the ones that are not good just happen to be louder some of the time mm-hmm. and they will poke and poke 
and poke and they will set you up for situations or they'll wait for you to make a mistake to point out the mistake you've made and the and you can't control those people there will and no matter even in the military outside the military those people will always exist but the one thing that we can control is our own response to that and i think as soon as we realize like hey this i know this person wants a rise out of me they want to prove Mm -hmm. the fact that women in the military are emotional as soon as i see that is happening i give them the complete opposite because i do not want to give them that satisfaction so i keep my cool no matter how many buttons they're pushing and i will be respectful and professional and hold my ground and not give in to what they want because i do not like i will not prove them right like they are wrong right right exactly and you gosh you just ignited something in my soul when you mentioned emotional I I think after a while when you there's so many times when you're called emotional versus passionate that's when you realize how important it is to like be equipped with knowledge and to prove them wrong because like you and I both have said there have been times when you know superior officers whatever we know we get like excited and our personalities are so similar so I know like the way that you get excited is the way that I get excited and Mm -hmm. let's do this and let's do that or you know conversely if we're talking about a sailor who deserves you know, that promotion or that map or whatever it is, like, I will voice my opinion, I'll get frustrated. And then someone says, stop being so emotional. And I always like take a second. And it frustrates me because I know, if I was a guy in the same meeting, that would be called passion. Yeah, they'd be like, like wow, oh, he, he really cares. Wow. Yeah. He cares. <laughs> he's so passionate about his sailors. He's so passionate about this project. And I remind myself in those moments, it's not emotion, it is passion. And that is what is making us different as leaders, because we are passionate. And you need to wake up and go to work. And sometimes you have to ignite that passion in yourself first, because there are going to be people who are just waiting to dim that light. And like you said, like, it just something that has to come from within first because the la- the haters will always be louder than the lovers. And that confidence takes time to build over time. But when you get to it, when you get into your groove, it is such an amazing thing. Obviously, you need to be humble because everything's super challenging. You need to be able to ask for help. But when you kind of get into your groove and you're like, no, I can do this, yep. you realize how amazing it is. And you mentioned this before, how something that you've learned – was asking for help. Yep. So I think, you know, a, a big mistake that a lot of newly commissioned officers um, who are female and even women like, in any male dominated job, um, they are new, bright eyed, ready to prove themselves. But in doing so, they think that they need to shut everyone out, not accept any help. They've got it on their own. I don't need anyone. And that's a complete misunderstanding and misconception. Um, when someone yes. offers help, take it. Just graciously be like, yes, thank you so much. Like, I, I struggle at these, these things, but I'm really good at these certain things. 
you can help me with what I'm struggling with. I'll help you with what you're struggling with. Like that just builds a team that has, you know, that creates a positive work environment. Instead, a lot of people make or women make the mistake of shutting people out and saying like, mm-hmm. I don't need anyone. And then they turn people away. And then those people that offered help don't offer it ever again. And then aren't on their, on their team when they do need it. Um, so I learned that very, very quickly. Like, Hey, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not so good at. Um, I'm for, and also being first to admit what you, what you're struggling with. Like, Hey, yeah, I know I need, I need help. Like, you know, beat them to the punch almost kind of like with the whole passionate thing, like versus emotional. If I find myself getting kind of, you know, worked up and heated and fired up about something that I care about, I'll say like, Hey, I'm going to say what I need to say because I'm passionate about it. And I'll, that messaging, I'll put it in their minds of like, oh, she's getting like this because she's passionate, you know, like instead of them Mm -hmm. taking control and assuming I'm being emotional and ridiculous and whatever, I've already stated how I'm being, um, Hey, I'm being passionate right now. And this is how I feel. Same thing with the, with being needing help. Like, Hey, I need help with these things. So I take that power and control away from them. And I'm not letting them be like, oh, look at Captain Barnum. She's struggling at this, this, and this. She, she's, you know, she needs help. I'll be like, yep, I need help with this. Who's good at this and who can yep. help me? You know, it just like kind of switching the message and turning that table and taking control yourself. Yes. I think you mentioned, you hit the, hit the nail on the head again, where it's almost like these two mindsets, like knowing where you need help and having that conversation and that transparency that humility, honestly, you know, because we're taught time and time again, especially when we graduated at the Naval Academy, we're 21 years old and instantly put in charge of people who have been in the military as long as we've been alive. So, you know, I, I think things started really changing for me after my first year on the ship because I kept just trying to look like I had it all together Meanwhile, on the inside, I was like drowning. I had no idea what I was doing, no idea, you know, anything on the ship, any terminology, anything at all. But I was trying to keep face in front of my chief and him being in the Navy for 27 years could see straight through it. So he would just like smile at me and he was awesome. He's this huge, big black guy with so much personality. But after a while, I was just like, chief, like, what is this form for? And he's like, that's fine, ma'am. And he'd like sit down and walk it through with me. But he was just waiting for me to ask for help. Like he didn't want to make me feel like less of a leader, less of an officer. But he was just like, I'm here. Like, that's my job. My job is to be that resource for you. And from that point on, I realized no one's judging me for asking. Like, there's no way I was just born with all this knowledge on the Navy. <laughs> like you have to learn Every single day, every single job, every single project is brand new. And there's a reason, like you said, why you have a team of people there to help you. And then as well, like you said, knowing what you bring to the table and accentuating that because, you know, hey, I do need help with all of these things, but I'm also not a complete rock. I have all of these other skills that maybe you're not good at. So for my chief, it was writing. He hated writing fit reps and I was a political science major, so writing was super easy for me. So we had this really, like, nice balance. But not being afraid is – that's so true. That help is going to get you really, really, really far. 
I think it's just a you know a pride thing. A lot of people yeah. just can't just can't get you know just can't accept the fact or can't admit it to anyone that they need help. Um, but this, as soon as you can, then you end up learning so much more and you learn so much faster right. and you became you become such a more valuable asset to the team. Mm-hmm. And it's not a weakness. No, not at all. I wish all. I could say that with like bold italicized underline punctuation. <laughs> it's not a weakness. I promise. Um, so as we get ready to wrap up, I have two more points to make. And I can't wait to hear your response because one of them we did not talk about. But so for our entire careers, we have heard the phrase, you don't look like you're in the military. Oh, my gosh. If I had a a dollar, Kelly, I would probably have maybe like $30. But like, (laughs) but like, seriously, (laughs) I get asked that all the time. All the time. And you know what? I think. So how this has changed for me, and I want I want to hear if you ha- have had the same journey. I think that you have because we're the same person, but correct me. When I, we were at the Naval Academy, I felt almost like it was a compliment because it, being feminine or whatever like was looked down upon. So when people are like, oh, my God, you don't look like you're in the Navy, I'd say, oh, thanks. Uh, and now – I always flip it with, like, why? Why don't I look like someone who would be serving in the Navy? I don't know what to say. I've had to prove at the Notre Dame game. I was in – I went to the Notre Dame game this year, and the person who was sitting near us did not believe that I was in the military so much where he asked me for a picture to prove that I was in the military. (laughs) I was like, this is is crazy. Why would I lie about that, first of all? Right. I know. Seriously, you're like, okay, thanks. Um, but it's now, I think, it made me even more passionate about, you know, doing things like recording podcasts or creating podcasts or posting on social media because it should be normal. Like, it should be normal, first of all, to think of the military and think of women. And it should be normal to think of the military and think of women in all shapes, all sizes, all faces, all kinds of beauty, like, and if you want to wear red lipstick, great, as long as it's in regulation. If you want to wear makeup, if you want to do your hair, amazing. If you don't, that's also fine. But I can't get – like, it's so funny to me how much my perception has changed over the years because I get this all the time. And in the nicest way possible, I just always want to say it should not surprise you that someone that looks like me can also serve in the military. Yeah. I never even know what to say, honestly. I'm, I'm, I, I, in the same way, I used to be like, thanks, I guess. Like, <laughs> but what does the military look like? Like, I want to know what that person in their mind thinks that I, what am I supposed to look like? Like, I don't right. even understand. Like, this is what the military looks like now. We're full of yeah. beautiful, strong, confident women of, yeah, like what you were saying, of all different from all different backgrounds, all different interests. Yes, we are called to a higher purpose and we want, we have a common goal of serving something outside of ourselves, but what our physical appearance is, that has nothing to do with that calling. Yeah, completely. Ah, that is an amazing note to end on because hopefully this resonates with 
I mean, honestly, everyone, if you're a male out there, just think twice, you know, sometimes before you make comments, before you make rash judgments of the capability your, of your female officers or the females who are interested in the military, but also females like feel empowered to know that this journey is yours to establish on your own. And it's synonymous with the way the world is going to treat you. Like there's women in all facets of life that experience, uh, experience, you know, the feeling of being a minority or those challenges. We just decided to choose the military, you know, obviously you Marine Corps, myself, Navy, but you and I together were so fortunate to have like our friendship, our sisterhood to push each other because our mindsets are so similar, but we decided early on that it would be something positive. We wouldn't let the comments or the stigmas or, you know, being laughed at at meetings or something like that, like things that are crazy, but we've learned to brush them off and we have amazingly thick skin that just so happens to be covered by concealer or lipstick or whatever, <laughs> but we become better for it. And it's been the best journey. I wouldn't change a single thing about it. Everything that's happened happened for a reason. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. So Jackie Bean, I have one last question for you. Yes. As a Marine officer, a Marine captain, and woman in the military, how do you feel most misunderstood? I think the most misunderstood thing. Oh wow! We've, you can, and if we already said it, you can just repeat it. I mean, just the whole asking for help. Like you don't, like you are not expected to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. There are so many people to help you and to support you. If only you just open your mind and your heart to who's all there for you. There are so many people Mm -hmm. out there to mentor you so many people to teach you there. It's unreasonable to put that pressure on yourself that you can do everything. You can't do it all. Um, You need your sisters and your brothers next to you helping you. Um, And I think just accepting that and, you know, knowing, Hey, this is where I want to go in my life. This is where I currently am. And this is who's going to help me to get there. Um, that's extremely powerful. I love that. And this, honestly, this whole conversation was full of misunderstandings. Oh yeah. (laughs) I think that we squashed for sure. Well, my Jackie Bean, I'm so grateful obviously to have you in my life in general, but I can't, I don't think I would, at all be the same person I am today had I not met you on the very first day at the Naval Academy my entire Naval Academy experience would have been the landscape of my time in Annapolis would have been completely different had I not had you and I'm just I feel super blessed so my whole life would be different without you honestly you know you are just so empowering and I think we've always just supported each other we always from, from day one we like had that bond And after going through so much, there's just like nothing that you and I don't believe that the other can accomplish. And I think that's just so important that we've never doubted each other and we've always leaned on each other when one of us needs it. Like our, it's just so such a strong friendship. And I'm just so, so, so grateful for you, Kel. 
I'm so grateful for you too. I couldn't help but think of the gif of Chandler Bing with the snapping fingers going. <laughs> you and I have always we been, have always been like, like this. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't watch Friends, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to look it up, but it's perfect <laughs> for that moment. Um, but no, truly being you're the, the metric that I measure all friendships against because you're so selfless and you're so supportive in everything that I do. So thank you so much. Thank you. I love you. I love you too. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, everyone else, please tune in to the next episode. I hope that you guys were able to take away a few misunderstandings in why being in the military as a woman can be challenging but also make you better and how we have grown from it. So thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, this is Hey world, thanks so much for tuning in. If you have 10 seconds of your time, please consider going to rate my podcast on iTunes. You can find me on iTunes and Spotify and also follow me on Instagram at misunderstood.podcast or at Kelly Renee Hall. I love hearing from you guys. I love feedback, insight, and I appreciate you tuning in week by week. Thanks so much. And I appreciate you continuing to find out how we can get a better understanding of ourselves.